I am amazed, oh, I am amazed at how easy Christians are taken in by every wind of doctrine that comes along. They're not actually able to discern the truth and error and any kind of a heresy meets a responsive chord in the minds and hearts of a great many. And that's disturbed me. Why is it there's so much weakness today in so-called fundamental circles? The one explanation in my mind, as I've stated, it's my judgment, it's just one thing, ignorance of the Word of God. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz. And as you just heard from our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, we believe a thorough knowledge of God's Word is essential in the life of every believer. So we're especially glad you're here today for our ongoing study in Philippians. Now, as you climb aboard the Bible bus, let's welcome Greg Harris, Through the Bible's president, who's here to tell us how God is moving and working in hearts in Uganda. Yeah, this is such an exciting story, Steve. And it, there's been something that's been on my heart that, uh, you know, when something's on my heart, you're going to hear about it, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to hear about it more than once. And that yeah. is, I've just been rejoicing in the way this Through the Bible family allows us to think long term. You know, I think of somebody like we're hanging on the cliff face trying to work on it and, and all of the people that love this ministry yep. and support it and share it with others. Yeah, the World Prayer Team in particular. Amen. You're up there holding that rope and, yep. and we can focus on what God wants us to do. And so we're all in this together. So I just want to start by saying thank you. Yes. And everything you're going to hear about is because you're up there holding that rope. Yeah. And if you've been praying for the ministry in Uganda and the Lugandan language, God has blessed and answered your prayers in yeah. such significant ways, not just in the Lugandan language, but in Rinya Katara, That's right. Juba Arabic. That's right. And now East African English. And East African English. Yes. Which is being done by the Luganda speaker who, like yes. George Philip, our good friend bleeds ttb yeah. bleeds mcgee when you cut him so all of this came because you allowed us to look long term and make plans and then follow the lord and i, I want to make sure we get to some stories but it's been an amazing five years starting with luganda and then that led to the languages you just articulated Ranyakatara right. for western uganda juba arabic for south sudan right and uh, now east african english is going right. to touch all of East Africa. Yeah. And these, don't think that it's all sweetness and light. Yeah. I mean, there have been some real <laughs> yeah. challenges. Pastor Abraham, who's the voice for Juba right. Arabic, the week after Greg and I, when you and yeah. I were there, yeah. he went back to Sudan, which is South Sudan, which is barely a country in terms mm -hmm. of, I think, Haiti and South Sudan are probably the places with the mm. most anarchy. And his son was shot and killed in the streets of yeah. South Sudan within a week of our meeting together. Yeah. So continue to pray. Continue to pray for these new languages. There will be future challenges. There will be obstacles to overcome but God. And if you can be putting us before the throne of grace, letting uh, letting the Lord know that we need this, of course he knows it, but he wants us to be praying, you can bless the ministry through the Bible in that way. Amen. Now, we got a minute or two, so let's share some great fruit, some stories. Now, here's one from a pastor uh, named Tika. I love that. I thank God for the grace he has put on you. The programs are blessings. I have tried to go to college, but the teaching is mainly in English, and I do not understand it. These mm. messages in Luganda answer my questions and help me preach. The programs on Luke and Revelation have brought a change in me. So encouraging. Wow. Here's another one. This yeah. is from Margaret. She says, I'm the wife to a pastor in Coligny, and I am at our home most of the time. I work long hours and don't get opportunity to study 
to the Word of God that much, but now this program has become my daily bread. Through it, I have built a fellowship with God and found a deeper understanding of God's Word. So many things were very complex to understand, especially in the book of Deuteronomy that we are listening to now. But with the teaching by Pastor David through this radio program, my eyes have been opened. I appreciate the team who put this work together. Fantastic. Now, just a short but powerful one from Ambrose. I listened to your program and was convicted. I have given my life to Jesus. Please pray for me. I want more and will follow these studies. Such an encouragement. And, you know, you can be continuing to pray. We would ask you to do that. So let me pray for the program as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessings that we're seeing, the fruit coming out of Uganda and all those different languages. I pray you continue to bless that ministry and bless the word now as it goes out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now here's Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee going through Philippians 4. Now, friends, today we come back to the fourth chapter, Philippians at verse 8. And we are looking at the power for Christian living. We've seen the source of that's joy, the fruit of the Spirit in our Christian's life. The secret of his prayer. Now we see the sanctuary of power, and the sanctuary of power is Christ himself. That is the thing that's important. Contemplation of Christ is the sanctuary of power. Now, will you listen to verse 8 as I read this? Finally, brethren. Now, this finally, it means business now. The epistle's coming to an end. Before, back in the beginning of chapter 3, he was just halfway through. But now, He's coming to the last point that he's going to make. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, where it says lovely here, whatsoever things are lovely... The better word, I think, is gracious, whatever's gracious. Now, someone has called this the briefest biography of Christ that's ever been written. Just this verse here. And I think it's a good one. Who's true? Well, he is. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Whatsoever things are honest. Who is honest? Jesus Christ. Whatsoever things are just. Well, he's the just one. And he's going to rule someday in justice and righteousness. It's Christ. Well, whatsoever things are pure. Well, who wants to stand up and say you're pure, my friend? I don't think that there many of us could stand up and say that. But he could say, which of you convicteth me of sin? He's pure. Whatsoever things are lovely or gracious. Oh, how wonderful he was. And whatsoever things are of good report. And if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Who is the one we're to praise? And virtue includes more than what we think. It means that which is manly, that which is noble. These are virtues that have gone out of style. You're a square today if you emphasize these. Well, our Lord was no square, but he was on the square, and he was one that we can think on him. Now, you and I live in a dirty world. I don't care where you go, you get dirty. You 
can't walk down the streets of Los Angeles without you get dirty. Your mind gets dirty. Your eyes get dirty. The fact of the matter is you get dirty physically even as you look into this world today. And do you ever get tired of the dirt and the filth of it? And television, oh, I look at it, but what sorry things are on it. What worthless things. Someone has called it the great wasteland. Well, it certainly is today. It's just like looking at an arid desert, and yet there are multitudes got their eyes glued to it, and their minds are being filled with dirt and filth and violence and things that certainly do not improve the mind. What can a Christian do? Well, my friend, if you're going to spend your time with the dirt and filthy and the questionable things of this world, you will not be a Christian with power in your life. The reason today we got so many namby-pambies, so many mollycoddles, so many weaklings in the Christian faith, here is the problem. They spend their time all week with the things of the world, just filling not only their tummies with the things of the world, but filling their minds and their hearts with the things of this world. And then they wonder why there's no power in their lives. How much time do you spend in the Word of God? How much time do you spend contemplating Christ? And that is the thing we were emphasizing back in 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter, verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed under the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, the Word of God is the mirror. And we're beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. How are you going to behold Christ? The only way in the world you can behold the living Christ is in the Word of God. And as you behold Him, why, there is a liberty that He gives to you. There is a freedom He gives to you. There is a growth that He gives to you. And friends, you can't come by it any other way than in the Word of God. That's one of the reasons that there is so much weakness today. I am amazed. Oh, I am amazed at how easily Christians are taken in by every wind of doctrine that comes along. They're not actually able to discern the truth and error and any kind of a heresy that meets a responsive chord in the minds and hearts of a great many. And that's disturbed me. Why is it there's so much weakness today in so-called fundamental circles? The one explanation in my mind, as I've stated, it's my judgment, it's just one thing, ignorance of the Word of God. And that ignorance of the Word of God is the reason that there is so much weakness, how puerile, how inconsequential is the impact of the lives of believers today. And just to go out and hand out a track or spout out the plan of salvation, that's good. I don't mean to belittle that one bit. But my friend, you ought to have a life that backs it up, that's got power in it, because you've been contemplating the person of Jesus Christ and contemplating him in the Word of God. A great many Christians today go to church to be entertained. Someone has said some people go to church to eye the clothes and others to close their eyes. They do not have a worthy motive, even in going to church. 
They do not go there to hear the Word of God. They go there to be entertained or go in some kind of a daze and sit there for probably an hour, not any longer, I'm sure, just to feel religious, feel pious. My friend, only the Word of God can bring strength to you. You have to have physical food when you're weak, and you have to have bread and meat if you're going to gain strength. And the Word of God is bread, and it's meat, my friends. And the only way you can grow spiritually is in the Word of God, and as that Word reveals Jesus Christ. And I wish that I could see him on every page of Scripture. In the book of Psalms, when we were there, letter after letter said they did not know Christ was in the book of Psalms as he is. Well, I wish I could have found him more, friends. The problem today is we need to see him. We need to have the reality of Christ in our lives. And the only way that we can do that is with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. And there's a liberty today, and no one has an excuse. No one. I think one of the things that's going to cause many believers to be ashamed at the appearing of Christ is that they come into his presence, and they'll be as ignorant as a goat grazing grass on the hillside of the Word of God. And I'm of the opinion he's going to say to many of us, I told you that. I said that to you. And you did not listen. You did not hear me. The problem today with children is they don't listen to their parents. And the problem today with Christians is they're not listening to their heavenly Father. Contemplation of Christ, that is the sanctuary of power. And many of us need to leave the busyness and the dirtiness of this world and go aside and with the Word of God. Have a sanctuary for the soul where we can contemplate him, where we can worship him, where we can praise him. Now, we sometimes criticize the Roman Catholics for having some little image up and bowing down to it. Well, I don't agree to that. I mean, I don't agree that you ought to have an image. I think it's wrong. But that's another point. It's not right today for Protestants to live as if he doesn't even exist. He's a reality, and we need to contemplate him and fix our minds on him and not be spending our time criticizing those that maybe are bowing down to an image. And that's just what I've been doing, is disagreeing with them. But the whole point that I'm trying to make is, my friend, the substitute is not to get rid of the idols. The substitute is to turn to him. Remember what Paul said to the Thessalonians? How ye turn to God from idols. You have to turn to him first. And when you turn from him, well, you won't need these aids at all. And the only way you can turn to him is in the word. Beholding is in a glass. Lord Jesus, the Spirit of God wants to make him real to us. Many of us are walking afar off today. Oh, that he might bring us in closer. Now we come to the last division of the fourth chapter of Philippians. And here we have the satisfaction of power. But let me finish this section of the sanctuary with verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and 
heard and seen in me do or practice, and the God of peace shall be with you. And you notice I didn't say that you're to follow me, but Paul gave himself as an example. He is the one that had made Christ the very center of his life and also the periphery of his life. And when a man lives like that, then he has a sanctuary of the soul. Now, as we come here to the satisfaction of power, this, may I say to you, is a very wonderful section, and it's in Christ. Now, notice Paul really is getting down to the main purpose of the letter, and that was a thank you note to them for the gift that they had sent to him. And he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. In other words, for two years, the church in Philippi had lost touch with Paul. You see, they were very close to him. But when he was arrested in Jerusalem and then in prison for two years, they did not know where he was. Then they heard he was in Rome in prison where he'd been transferred. He'd appealed to Caesar. And they are apologizing to him for not having contact with him and for not communicating with him and not communicating and sending a gift to him because apparently they were. And Paul is excusing them here in a most gracious manner. He said, I rejoice that your care of me flourished again, but you were careful, but you lacked opportunity. You didn't have the opportunity. You lost contact with me. And gracious he is, you see. Verse 11, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want. Paul says, I never made an appeal to you. I didn't send out a letter to you telling you that I'd be off the radio next week if you didn't send me a gift. I never did that. And Paul says, I didn't send out an SOS at any time. Paul says, The reason is not that I speak in respect of want. For I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I want to say this is a marvelous statement. I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, some of my friends who, when I say that Paul is a southerner, and remember I said at the beginning of this epistle, and that I even know what state he came from, and it's from Texas because of the fact that he uses the term I reckon. That's a good Texan expression. But these friends of mine say to me, said, Dr. McGee, he could never be a Texan because he says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And said if he was from Texas, he'd never be content. And I want to tell you, I think that's taken Scripture out of its context, and I don't think that's the correct interpretation. I want to say that's marvelous the way this man here didn't make any difference whether he's in prison or out of prison. He was content. Now, many of us, if things are going right and we're in the right place, we're contented, and it's wonderful to be that way. I pray the Lord that in my own life, I ask him, Lord, make me as contented sitting here, making a tape, as I am when I'm out yonder in Hawaii looking out on the beautiful scenery. And that means that the circumstance has a lot to do with us being contented today. 
But Paul says, I've learned whatsoever state. Now he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. I know how to be down. I know how to not have anything. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Now Paul says, there are times when I don't have anything. And I've learned to be content with that. There are times when, oh, there's an abundance, and God's provided in a marvelous way. And I've learned how to abound. I know that when I retired from the pastorate, I actually thought there'd be a terrible letdown in income and our standard of living. I told my wife, I said, our standard of living will have to really come down quite a bit. And I said, it's going to be hard for us because... Paul knew how to abound, but he knew how to be a base. But I said, we're not good at that at all. And I guess the Lord knew about it because, very frankly, I want to say to you, due to the generosity of some very wonderful folk that remember me, my standard hadn't come down. I've been able to live just like I did before. And I'm very frank to say that. And I was prepared to come down, but the Lord didn't bring it down And I want to thank him for it, and I do thank him for it, and I praise his name for it. But Paul knew how to abound, he knew how to be abased. And it's more difficult, some people say, to abound than it is to be abased. Well, some of us have known what it is to be abased. And I remember Dr. Ironside telling the story that he went over to Grand Rapids each year, years ago, for his friend Mel Trotter, who had the mission there. And the one year when he went over, he got a letter from Maltrata to go to the new hotel there that the man that owned it had been a drunkard, and Maltrata, who had also been a drunkard, been converted, he'd led this man to Christ. And the man says, I want to do something for you, and any time you have guests that come to the city, you send them to the hotel. So Maltrata told Dr. Ironside, you go there to the hotel. He went there, and they gave him the presidential suite, the nicest apartment there was in the hotel. And Dr. Ironside just wasn't accustomed to that sort of thing. And so he immediately went to the phone, and he called up Mel Trotter and said, Listen, Mel, I don't need this apartment. You don't have to give me this. Just give me a room that's comfortable where i got a bed I can sleep in and a desk where I can study and a good light, and that's all I need. But I don't need all this luxury. And Maltrata said to him in his characteristic manner, he says, Now listen, Harry. He says, That man owes everything to me. He was a drunkard. He's been led to the Lord. And he owes a great deal to me. And he provides that. And it's not costing me anything. It's not going to cost you anything. So he says, Paul said he knew how to be abased and knew how to abound. Now he said, for one week, I want you to learn how to abound in that room. Dr. Ironside said, I learned how to abound in that apartment. It wasn't just a room. In that apartment for that week. Well, God says to us, I want you to learn how to abound. I want you to know how to be a base. Now, Paul says, I know both of those things. Now he makes one of the most tremendous statements that I suppose you find in the Bible You hear this quoted by a great many people, and I think that there are only certain circumstances in which it should be quoted, 
And this is something that's geared to life. This is a verse that gets right down to the nitty-gritty, right down where the rubber touches the road. And this is where this verse needs to be worked out. It's not just a nice little verse to quote. We're going to see next time what does it really mean when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Are you able to do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you? Well, let's don't quote it unless it's been already worked out in our lives. We'll see what that means next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Are you able to do all things through Christ? You know, we're going to learn more about what that means next time. Until then, you can reach us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or online at ttb.org. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as always, I'll meet you right back here for more great teaching by Dr. McGee in Philippians. God bless you today as you walk with Him in His Word. Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives, found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know Him yet?